You're listening to episode 362 of the GNU World Order. Hey everyone, my name's Klaatu, this is the GNU World Order. We're going to be talking about the packages that ship by default on Slackware, which is what we've been doing for the past year, I think. Packages up on the docket today are Gutenprint, HPLIP, and probably most excitingly, HTOP. I say most exciting because compared to printer drivers, I think HTOP is pretty exciting. But frankly, HTOP is just kind of exciting anyway, so there was probably no need to qualify that. Anyway, let's talk about Gutenprint. Uh, it is worth mentioning, I think, even though it is just a printer driver, but it, it's worth mentioning for its historical context, if nothing else, which the website, its official website, kind of hints towards. So it's called, uh, the, the URL is gimp-print.sourceforge.net, which, as you can imagine, sort of betrays its history. It used to be a print plugin and ghost script driver for GIMP. Now, around the 4.2 release of GIMP print, the, the landscape had changed sufficiently that they realized didn't make much more, much sense for it to just be called a, a GIMP plugin anymore because GIMP had what well, well had developed into sort of a, a full toolkit. The GTK toolkit was the GIMP toolkit, at, you know, originally, uh, and that got used for GNOME, the desktop, and so suddenly this this humble little print plugin for one photo manipulation application sort of made more sense as kind of a system-wide uh, driver system. And and it had grown from just being a ghost script plug-in, or, or rather driver, to a cups driver as well. So it really was, it had broad application um, as it turns out. So Gutenprint, as it's called today, is a driver set for Canon, uh, Epson, Lexmark, Sony, Olympus, and PCL printers for use with CUPS and, of course, GIMP. Interestingly, Gutenprint also works on Mac OS X now. It provides drivers for, 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 for Macs. So not only are you using, and, and this I kind of echoed all of this in the CUPS episode that I did a couple of weeks ago, or several weeks ago now, but the, this is technology that benefits a lot of users. This is Linux users, this is BSD users, this is Mac users, and it's huge. It's a huge, huge service. I mean, Canon, Epson, Lexmark, Sony, Olympus, That's those are a lot of different manufacturers getting drivers from from this one driver package. Now, what is a driver? Well, drivers, of course, are the, it's the software that helps, or that provides an interface for you between your computer and some piece of hardware. So we know that if we plug in a piece of hardware into Linux, the computer knows that something got plugged in. We've, we can see that with UDEV admin, you can monitor UDEV uh, input and output. You'll see the event, the kernel event, when you plug in, a let's say, a USB printer. Not a big deal. 
but the computer doesn't necessarily know what to do with with that piece of hardware. It could be a printer, it could be a scanner, it could be a digital camera, it could be a microphone. Computer doesn't really know. Now, on most Linux distributions that you and I are using, certainly Slackware, um, the the detection of what kind of device that ha that what that is and what kind of driver is needed for it is is pretty simple. It 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 has a lot of helper processes around it. Now you still have to add the printer to your system, so you have to go to system settings, go to printers, you go to add the printer, or if you don't want to do that, or if you don't have that installed, if you don't have system settings installed. Uh, for instance, if you're not running the KDE desktop, or maybe you're not even running XFCE, maybe you didn't install that stuff, you're just running Fluxbox with a bunch of utilities sort of cobbled it together, then you could just open a browser, go to localhost colon 631, add the printer there, select your driver. Now the driver, you won't probably realize it because it doesn't really make a big deal out of it, but if it's, for instance, a an Epson printer, then when you select the driver that you want to use with that printer, you're selecting a Gutenprint driver. Now you have the option of going to the Epson website and grabbing, you know, potentially a driver provided by Epson, something proprietary, something that they design and program for Linux computers. I don't know if Epson actually does that, so don't hold me to that. Um, maybe oh, I think Canon might might do that sort of thing. Either way, you know, some printer manufacturers keep in mind that, oh yeah, there are Linux users out there who want to use my printer. I'll do a driver for them and release it to them. But they don't necessarily do that as open source. They just give you the, the printer driver that you can install. And that's very nice, and it makes sure that you can use hardware that you purchased. And I think that's sort of the bare minimum, right? They should, if not open their driver code, then they should at least provide the driver code for hardware that someone has spent money on. I think that is the absolute bare minimum of a hardware manufacturer. And frankly, I think it ought to be the expectation for printing companies, because they're pumping out printers faster than people can um, can can run out of ink. And so if they had to slow that production down a little bit to actually to actually maintain and support those devices, I think that would be a, a benefit to everyone in lots of different ways. But you'll hear stories about differences between proprietary drivers and open source drivers. I certainly have experienced it myself at an old job. We had Linux workstations. Some people, I think the people who just sort of, the, the people who got their computer and sort of started using it as is, I believe, they had a proprietary printer driver installed for the office printer. And it worked fine, but I think if I'm, I could be getting my story sort of reversed or whatever, but I, if I recall correctly, the office printer on these, on these computers that, that were using the proprietary driver were sort of like uh, almost obligated to print a cover page with everything that the person printed. And I don't know what it was or why that was, but everything that someone printed, even if it was just one page, there would be two pages that would get spit out. One would be this cover page with, I think, like their IP address and maybe their computer name or something and the brand of the computer. And then 
and then there would be the thing that they actually printed. It was a really, really weird system, and no one could figure out how to turn that off. And for the longest time, I didn't know what people were talking about, because it had never happened to me. And it turns out there was a pretty good set of users there who that didn't happen to. And the thing that we finally sort of started figuring out was that the people who weren't suffering from the cover page quote-unquote feature were the people who had installed the open source drivers for the office printer. So the Gutenberg or the, the Fumatic probably uh, printer set, uh, the printer driver set. So we weren't getting the cover page and the proprietary driver users were getting the cover page, couldn't figure it out how to turn it off because my best guess is that the printer uh, manufacturer, which I, I want to say was um, Roll um, uh, Rico. Um, I could be wrong though. It could have been anybody. But I, I want to say that the company released Linux drivers and just kind of forgot to provide a switch, an off switch for this cover page quote unquote feature. And the open source drivers probably, the developers probably didn't have any way of even knowing that that was a thing, you know, they just didn't, they didn't know that there was a cover page feature maybe, and they just never got around to including that in the driver, and so it was never a thing for us. And I'm sure there are variations of that story, and, and I'm sure there are some times where the proprietary driver has extra, fe actual, actual features that the open source one doesn't, and, and so on. So I'm not saying that necessarily only the open source driver you know, that all open source printer drivers are superior to proprietary printer drivers. I mean, philosophically, of course, they are, but in terms of usability and and feature-for-feature uh, -feature comparisons, I don't know how it, how it would all sort of fall out on average. But that's why sometimes the same printer on the same OS could feasibly have a different set of, of options. One of those reasons is that the... The, the printer driver itself would be different. Same hardware, same computer, but that little bit of code that tells it w what the other can do is different. Now, you might not see this as much with a company that steps in and helps developers or even develops themselves open source drivers for their own hardware, but that would be weird. Who would possibly do that? Hey, that's a great segue to HP-LIP. HP-LIP is Hewlett-Packard's Linux imaging and printing uh, system. And you can find more information about that at developers.hp.com slash hp-linux-imaging-and-printing. This is a pretty good website. It provides a lot of well, it certainly provides a lot of documentation about what they're offering, and what they are offering is a bunch of open-source drivers for a bunch of Hewlett-Packard printers. In fact, I'm using it on my printer, which I got for free from a uh, local office. used to be local. I moved. It's no longer local. But they were giving away an HP LaserJet, and I found out about that and grabbed it up, and it works great. Perfectly. It's got a network connection and a USB connection, so I can use it either over a network or just directly through USB. And HP-LIP provides the drivers. Really, really easy. HP-LIP is quite nice. It's a nice little... Well, first of all, it's a nice driver set. 
And then secondly, it is a, uh, it's got a device manager and it's got a nice little print server installed or, or included with it. Now it depends on cups. So it's not, it isn't replacing cups. It's not going to work without cups, but it does have, um, a lot of different sort of tools that admittedly are kind of redundant to cups. For instance, the device manager. You can add your printer to your computer through HPLIPS UI. You can monitor your the, the printer status and the printer jobs and so on. All that stuff you can do through cups. You don't need HPLIPS UI for that to work. And in fact, you don't need HPLIPS UI for HPLIP to serve you. You can use the HPIJS, I think, uh, which is the headless version of all of this stuff. So it's it's nicely flexible and it works like a charm. And if you don't have system settings of any kind, like I said, like if you're not using KDE or XFCE on Slackware or GNOME on something else, then uh, HP Lip is kind of a nice fallback because sure, you, you won't be able to maybe add the printer through a system setting panel because you don't have it, but you could always just launch HP Lip and do it through there. Now, you could also just do it through cups. That's that's true as well. So you could just do it through the web UI. However, HP Lip exists. It's there. It's an option if you want it. It is nice to have. Um, I think in a lot of instances in open source, like a lot of times I th I think, oh, this, there's too many different ways to do this one thing. Why don't we just settle on one thing? Well, sometimes, though, you do kind of want a couple of different things because, I don't know, why not? I mean, choice is one of the things about open source. So knowing that we have an HP lip option, should we be sort of unhappy with the cups option or where it's just not working for us today or whatever the case may be, it's kind of nice to have that additional interface just in case you either want it or you like it more or whatever, whatever you, whatever you're thinking. Okay. So that's HP lip. That's Gutenprint. Let's get some coffee and then let's talk about HTOP. <laughs> You've got your coffee. I've got my coffee. Time for HTOP. HTOP is, well, I mean, it's the replacement for top, honestly. I, if you're still using top, you should absolutely go alias top for HTOP. Or, or rather, HTOP for top. Um, it, it's just, it's the obvious choice, and it is what I've done for ages now. I don't remember the last time I've actually seen top. HTOP is, um, it, it's, it's a more dynamic top and, and more informative, um, top, more configurable top, probably, 
So top started apparently the the big main feature of top of H top was actually you know what let's back up what is top okay so top is a uh, dis it, it it's a display for Linux processes we've talked about this before when we were talking about PS and pgrep and sh and pidof and all these other uh, applications to kind of look into your look into your your Linux system and see what's running and how much memory it's taking and what kind of CPU load it's demanding and so on. So that's the that's the basics of top. It, the the default view of top shows you from left to right it shows you the PID of a process, it shows you what user launched the process. It shows you the priority of that process, the nice level of that process, and then the virtual resident and shared memory, uh, and then something like the CPU percentage, the memory percentage, and the time, and then the command that we're talking about. And that's great. It, it's a good little display, but it is kind of what it is. And at the time, it it was a static display Apparently, this is a little bit before my time with Linux, just about two years, so um, I, I don't, I'm not speaking from experience again. But HTOP at the time, back in I think 2004-ish, came out, it was a top replacement that scrolled. That was the big exciting feature. It scrolled on screen so so it would show you the processes but it would it would change as the state of processes changed and that's kind of useful it's kind of disorienting it can be i mean it's it's rough cuz you get this information but it's so dynamic and and it's hard to maybe zero in on something and i think arguably that's a big drawback of top itself uh, these days, because top also scrolls now, so um, you can you can launch it, and then you'll see that the processes are running, and something will suddenly jump up to the top because now it's the the top of the top, and and it can be a little bit disorienting, but I mean certainly it's more accurate than just taking a a snapshot of a system when you pressed return, um, just when you pressed or when you typed in the command. So HTOP is the the big exciting feature of it was that it scrolled. But now we have um, we have we have that feature elsewhere. It's not quite as exciting, I don't think. And that's okay. Except that it is. It really is exciting. So. Here's what here's what else it offers. First of all, it offers some pretty colored graphs up at the top. So it shows you all the processors that you have, the CPU cores that you've got available, and how taxed they are. So you get a little bit of a CPU meter for free up at the top of HTOP. You also get the same kind of information for your memory usage and your swap usage. And again, it's 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 these little colored bar graphs uh, that are 
you know, very, quite visual. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of nice because you really get kind of a feel for exactly what your system is up against. It also gives you a little bit of a summary. You know, it gives you the uptime, the load average, and how many tasks are being run and so on. And then you get down to the bottom half, or the, I, I guess, the the bottom three quarters, and it's really, by design, very much, by default at least, a top re-implementation. It is, it's the same columns, PID, user, uh, priority, nice, level, vert, resident, shared, uh, CPU, memory, time, and command. So it is exactly the same as top. It's got a little bit more color going on if you want it, and uh, it shows you all the same information, and as that information changes, it moves everything around, so it's dynamic, and that's what it is. But, I mean, and frankly, that's that's kind of enough. Like, that, that difference in itself, I think, is kind of, is, is worth using HTOP over top. It's not a huge difference, but it's difference enough to make it just a little bit friendlier than, than, than the sort of the, not static, but kind of the almost information overload of top. This is, um, a, a very slightly, is very slightly easier to parse. Uh, but there's also a lot more you can do here, and the thing that kind of sold me on this originally was F6. F6 is the sort function, and that lets you sort the listing by a, a different a different thing. So, for instance, by default, I think it is uh, sorted by the percentage of CPU usage. I think that's the default, or maybe that's just my default. Um, but if I go to F6, then I could change it from percent underscore CPU to percent underscore memory. And now the the column memory percent is highlighted, and it shows me all of these processes, again, sorted by memory, from, I think, low to high. Nope, high to low. Okay. Yeah, high to low. Okay, that's fine. So, yeah, that's... Um, that's kind of nice. And F6, you could also do it by the PID number. So you see the PIDs in that, that is low to high. So you see one here is init and you get all the stats on it. And then the next one registered is 324 and 463 and so on. F6 again. And you could do, I guess, sort it by command. So that way you get all of the commands grouped together, regardless of what numbers they're throwing at you. And that's quite nice. So that's that's what sold it for me. I thought, well, the ability to sort just seems like a really intelligent design. That seems really nice. Now, I'm not saying there's no way to do that with top. You can... Um, you can do you can do some pretty cool things with top uh, for instance sort you can do dash o to specify the name of the field uh, on which tasks will be sorted independent of what's reflected in any kind of configuration file 
So you could change top um, either in a config or with an option to to change the the sort preference. But to be able to do all of to to do that from just within the interface, I think is is pretty cool. Um, and I'm not saying that there's no way to do these things necessarily from within from within top to some degree. Um, for instance, you could do a um, U if you're in top. Uh, press U, and then it tells you, okay, well, which user do you want to sort by? And then you could do, okay, well, Klaatu, and hit return, and then it sorts everything by that, and so on. So th there are ways to do certain things within top. It, it's not necessarily as obvious uh, or as um, menu-driven, certainly, but there there's more to top than some people realize, I, I will say that. But there's a lot more to htop at all. So F6, really cool. Another cool one that kind of sold me on it, I'm just kind of going through these features in the order that I personally discovered them, frankly, but another one is F3, and that is search. And that's quite useful because, again, maybe you don't know exactly what what you want to sort by but you do know the thing that you want to find and so f3 will take you exactly to the thing that you want information about which can be really really useful when troubleshooting or when just kind of learning about your system what what kind of resources are you using when you're running this or that well search for it in htop and you'll You'll, you'll get all kinds of information about it. Or you could sort by command name and then search for the command name so that you go down to that sort of that block and then you can analyze it that way. So F3 was a big deal for me as well. F4 is a filter function and that's kind of nice because it's sort of a very drastic search. Uh, it will only show you the results of your search. So you put in a filter and it it'll show you what comes up there. It really you can think of it almost as a um, as a as a grep. You you're just looking at the command and filtering everything out other than that. So I mean by grep I mean as if though you were piping PS through grep or something like that. Okay, so that's F uh, four for a filter. The next one, uh, which is I guess a fairly recent addition, uh, is F5, which was a tree view. That's quite nice, as you can imagine, for the same reason that the tree view is really nice in PS. It's just a it, it's a great way to understand how all of these processes that don't necessarily have an obvious connection. This is the way to see how they how they do connect. So F5, I, I've almost, almost made this my default view, um, but I haven't yet. But F5 is a, is a really cool view to um, to see all the all the different options. Bye. Now there's also an F7 and an F8. 
which or a function surrounding f7 and f8 which is nice minus and nice plus so if you've got something that you want to re-nice you can do that instantly from htop with either f7 to take away niceness or f8 to add niceness and the more nice something is the more sort of polite and and lazy it is and less demanding of your uh, cpu your your interrupt cycle take that away and uh, it becomes more demanding. Strangely, I've not, I mean, I haven't really used it that often, but I was playing around with it in preparation for this, and I can't get into negative numbers for niceness, and I don't know, I don't know why that would be. I don't know whether uh, negative numbers in niceness is all an illusion. I don't think it is, but maybe it is. Or the HTOP just isn't letting me. Maybe I don't have permissions. I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into it too much. But um, that's something I've not been able to do. But I have been able to re-nice it uh, up, going going upward, going going into positives, making something more nice. So that's kind of a cool feature. Although, like I said, I haven't actually had the occasion to actually use it. You can kill something from HTOP with an F9. That's probably useful. It makes it a little bit more like a, I guess, a quote-unquote task manager, which, I mean, arguably is what it is anyway, but this, I think being able to kill something from a list of all processes, I think that is kind of an expectation of most people. And then finally, the one that I wanted to really kind of talk about here is F2, which is the setup. And a lot of people don't realize that HTOP is really quite configurable there's a lot of options here that most of us, I think, end up ignoring just because we don't think to 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 go to the setup screen. HTOP itself is usually, you know, informative enough that you don't have to sort of drill down and find more find more information. But um, yeah, it is kind of nice. So one of the things, for instance is your meters. Those are the things that I was talking about earlier where it was um, the CPU CPU uh, bar graph, the, the different cores, you got the memory and the swap bar graph, and so on. Well, you can actually add stuff to that. So you can do, uh, you, you have two columns to play with. You have left column and right column. And in the left column, current the default is the C, half of the CPUs, so CPUs one out of two, bar graph and then memory bar and then swap bar but you can do more you can um you can add something to uh the the um the 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 column by arrowing over to so for instance here's i'm in left column right now so 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 the setup screen is a series of columns itself. There are, and it's a cascading kind of menu system. So the first column is setup, and it has meters, display options, colors, and columns. So those are the things that you can configure. The meters, like I say, is that sort of top quarter of the screen where all of these bar graphs and fancy things show up. Going over uh, to the right, you get a left column and a right column. Those are two different columns, the middle columns here of the setup screen. 
and it lists the current contents of each column, which you can look visually, you can just see that those line up. And then the farthest column are available meters, which are not necessarily, which aren't necessarily used. And so you could go down to something like, I don't know, battery, press return, and then it adds this sort of new entry into one of the two one of the two columns left or right you can move it you know whichever you want you can move it up or down in the into the position and then if you want that added then you can confirm with enter or uh, uh, delete I think to to cancel so there's a bunch of stuff available. There's a clock, there's a load average, there's, um, let's see, task counter, well that's already there, um, host name, CPU, different configurations, like the first half of the list, the second half of the list, the first half in a second, in a, in a shorter column, and the second half in the shorter column, CPU average, or just each CPU individually, a blank space. You can really configure this thing um, in a very, very cool way. It's worth playing around with if you think that those meters could be more useful for you. Quite possibly you may be able to do that. You might be able to reconfigure it for yourself in a way that you would you would find more useful. So you should you should check that out. Okay, so other other options that you have aside from meters are display options. And that's kind of nice. It gives you a good smattering of different options. You've got, for instance, you can default to the tree view, which, as I've said, I've, I've very nearly given over to, but I haven't quite taken that leap yet. You've got um, the ability to shadow other users' processes. You can hide user land process threads, display threads in a different color, uh, give detailed CPU time, so system IO weight, hard IRQ, soft IRQ, and so on. You can count CPUs from zero instead of one. That's kind of nice. In fact, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. that that's easy. Um, update process names on every refresh, add guest time and CPU meter, percentage, and so on. You also have a different color themes that you can can use. There's the default, which I think is Black Knight. I think that's the one. Um, but then there's Monochromatic, which is great. That shows you a different, um, a different view of those meters, for instance. So you get kind of, rather than the green being sort of the standard level with the red being um, the maximum edge of that, you have um, asterisks for the edge and hash for the standard, so that's kind of nice for people who to whom colors don't mean as much. You got black and white if you just want, um, or black on white rather if you want, uh, if if you if you don't do the whole dark theme. You've got a light terminal so that no matter you know you, it's not enforcing the white background, but maybe if you already have your own pale background, uh, that's much too dark for me, like the, the actual text against black, that doesn't work. There's MC, so Midnight Commander style, it's all blue, kind of looks like DOS to me, I don't know. Black Knight, which is just kind of black, and then there's Broken Gray, which uh, is kind of like Black Knight, but with um, with with a little bit of a lighter lighter highlights, I think. 
So that's that's nice. I don't know where those color themes come from. I don't know if it's easy to install new ones. I've never really looked into it, but it is it is quite nice. And then finally, last but not least, you have a bunch of different ways that you could configure your columns. So the the design of HTOP initially is exclusively, and the developer has said this, the developer, by the way, works at Kong right now, and is a big Lua developer. He does Lua rocks, actually. He's the maintainer of that, apparently, or or, or a contributor to it either way. It was kind of neat to find out. Um, either way, so columns, the design of HTOP, he said specifically, it, it mimics top. Because if you're going to replace something, you basically replace it, right? You Their choices are your choices, or else people don't know how to use your tool. So the, the columns that you see are exclusively because it's the expectation of someone running top. And I think that's fair, but once you realize that those columns are simply sort of arbitrarily tops choices, you can kind of feel a little bit more secure about maybe changing that. Because not all of them are necessarily something that you need to have, right? I mean, if you never look at the resident memory count, which I don't, maybe that's not a useful metric for you. Maybe you could just get rid of it, and you can remove it. Uh, go into the active column list, hit F9 to remove, and that's no longer a column that you'll ever have to look at again. And you could replace it with other stuff. There's, um, I don't know, probably about 30 different choices for you to replace or, or to, you know, for a column. There's all kinds of information. I mean, and it's up to you as to what you actually care about, obviously. And, and you know, it, it may not be something that you even want to add maybe you just want to remove columns and kind of give yourself just less information to stare at and just really be able to focus on the stuff that you that you need to know up to you but it is one of those things where i, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that their age top doesn't have to look like top as, as much uh, it only has to look like top as much as you want it to look like top you can you can move away from that and, I mean, there are dozens of columns, well, not dozens, but there are lots of columns in top that I've never, I never look at. They, they're just, they're filler. And, frankly, it can be a lot easier to, to, to look at this thing if, if you have a little bit less filler. Uh, I mean, frankly, I don't know that the, the resident size or even the shared memory I just don't know that that's information that I really care about because honestly, the my, on my on my main system on my Slackware box, I have 24 gigs of memory, and uh, if something's eating up 24 gigs of memory, then I'll know it. Uh, I will I'll, I'll know what's going on. I just I can't imagine something eating up that much memory uh, without me realizing it. Uh, virtual memory, yeah, that that seems a little bit little, kind of interesting to look at, but all the other stuff, I, I'm not sure that I really care about. Um, and and certainly the percentage of memory um, 
typically I'm not convinced. Well, from what I've heard from the developer, um, that no one really understands how that's uh, calculated anyway. And he just stole the calculation from top simply because he wanted, again, he wanted his application to be, to, to mirror what people saw in top so that people didn't question sort of the validity of HTOP because it differed from top. Such was the sort of stranglehold that top had on everyone's process monitoring um, uh, list. You know, like that's what everyone was used to. And so that's what HTOP kind of just had to match before people could defect over to HTOP. And, and I'm just, I'm sold on HTOP. I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember the last time I looked at top. I don't think I need it. I'm happy to switch to HTOP. It's, I think, a, it, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's far and above like a superior tool. I'm just saying it's, it's just nice enough. It just, it's just better enough to make it worth switching to. And I don't see any drawbacks. I really don't. So that's HTOP. It's a really, really nice process manager or, or process monitor and it's worth taking a look at. And I would I would probably even go so far as to say that I should probably eventually just remove top from my system because I don't see the point. But it's a good one. You should you should take a look at it. You should play around with it and um and consider aliasing HTOP for top. That's what I would do, personally. You can start HTOP with a couple of different articles, um, options rather. You can do dash, dash, no dash color to start it in monochrome mode. You can do dash, dash, PID and then equals and then some, some list, comma delimited list of PID numbers. So you only see those PIDs. You can also do a dash, dash, sort, dash, key to help it, or to tell it where to start sorting from, so that's kind of like the dash O on top, dash dash user, and then the username, that'll show only processes of a given user, and that's about it, I think. And then in terms of in-application, a lot of the, the main um, application functions are assigned to F keys. And this is one of the only applications I've ever used an F key in. It's just so rare that I use F keys. But for for HTOP, since it's right there at the bottom, that just that that makes perfect sense to me. That's like, oh yeah, okay, I know how to do this. I'll look on the screen, see what F key it tells me to press, and then I'll press that F key. Still don't quite get it. I don't know why people don't just use letters like on the keyboard. I still don't understand function keys, but it's there. It's on the screen. It's easy to remember that way. Uh, and it's easy to sort of correspond between the keyboard and the key and the and the screen, so I do use it in HTOP. That's about it for that. I think you should check out HTOP. There's a really good um, there there's a good website for this. Uh, well, I mean specifically, it's the HTOP website. So. Go to hisham.hm, and that is the homepage of HTOP. There's a really nice little lightning talk by the author talking about some of the features of HTOP, 
and some of the newer features like these IO um, process uh, monitors, which I don't really, I, I don't, I don't need that kind of um, level of, of detail in any process monitoring that I do, at least not yet. Um, but for but for some systems, I'm sure that's quite quite important. So um, yeah, it's it's a good little website. It's got some good little FAQs. So if you're really curious about some of the choices made on HTOP, then by all means check it out. And I think it is I think it is important and interesting to to look at at the alternative of something as time honored and kind of taken for granted as as top is i think most of us we know top but we only know it in the sense that it's always been there it doesn't necessarily mean we know it because we love it or because we've used it in in any specific way it's just it's the thing that you do to go see if there's i don't know a zombie process happening or something like that you don't really know the the, the details of the application. HTOP, I think, makes it easy to discover more detail about HTOP. I think HTOP makes it easy to customize your experience. Every time you go to some application for some information, it, that information ought to be, you should be able to configure that application to, to make sure that that information comes up first. If that's the reason you're always going there, why not configure it to serve you? Uh, and that's that's largely what what HTOP makes it easy to do, so I think it's it's worth looking at. And I think that's about everything I have to say about HTOP, or HPLIP, or Gutenprint. So thanks for listening. I will talk to you next time. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the GNU World Order Ogcast. This has been Clatu. You can reach me on the Matrix Network. I'm in the Hacker Public Radio channel. My nick is Clatu. You can also reach me on Mastodon. My nick there is at Clatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can always email me. My address is Clatu at member.fsf.org. That's Clatu at member.fsf as in freesoftwarefoundation.org. You can also visit my websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info.
Oh, those little glistening things would never understand. But what's that sound like? Heavy breathing. There's a lot of power. It's a small room, but there's a there's something that sounds like a huge beast drawing its scaly coils along a stone floor. 